This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome to another episode of Press One for Nick. Your host, Nick Limsdahl, is the Director of Contact Center Solutions at VDS. Through conversations with customer service and customer experience leaders, Nick and his guests exchange insightful stories, best practices, and invaluable lessons they have learned along the way. Welcome to the Press One for Nick podcast. My name is Nick Limsdahl. My guest this week is Paula Thomas. She is the founder and CEO of Let's Talk Loyalty. The podcast features weekly episodes of interviewing key loyalty marketing professionals. It is the world's first podcast for loyalty marketing professionals. It's ranked by listeningnotes.com as one of the top 5% of podcasts in the world. Welcome to the Press One for Nick podcast, Paula. Thank you, Nick. Really, really pleased to be with you. Absolutely. I'm I'm pleased as well. So the one question I ask every single guest at the very beginning is what's one thing people might not know about you? It's a great question and gave me some opportunities to uh, to smile and reflect and wonder whether this should be a personal insight or a professional one. So with that in mind, Nick, I decided to give you uh, one of each. The professional one, which uh, does amuse me, actually, is I'm starting to be known as the Oprah of loyalty. So this is something now I will admit that my husband initially gave me the title, but I am totally milking it because I think, you know, from a positioning perspective, Nick, it's really important for us to, you know, I suppose, realize, you know, how important our role is, particularly if we're broadcasting. So I think for me, the mindset shift from being a consultant to being somebody who is increasingly being asked to speak on a key topic is super fun. And again, when people are reading the bio sometimes and they go, oh, my God, Oprah of loyalty, we we love it. So so that's my professional piece that people might not know. So I'm spreading the word. And then just on a personal note, I got married three months ago. Well, first off, congratulations. You know, when it comes to, I think the one big characteristic trait of, of Oprah is that she's consistently curious. She is asking questions that are maybe not being asked. And she is, yeah. she's part of the conversation, but is able to adapt in the moment. And I think when it comes to loyalty and, and just being the yeah. the Oprah of loyalty, it's you have to stay curious and learn from others and and grow. So I'm I'm looking forward to being in the presence of of uh, the Oprah of loyalty. <laughs> Thank you for acknowledging that, Nick. That's super fun. <laughs> so the first question I have for you too is is the Oprah of loyalty? Is how did you get into loyalty to begin with? Yeah, it's a great question, actually, Nick, because I've had an extremely varied career. And to your point, actually, about curiosity, I've often said I feel like I have a very short attention span when it comes to my my jobs and my work and, you know, the various kind of corporate things I've done along the way. But interestingly, um, I fell into loyalty in the, the literally at the beginning of the last global recession. So 2008, I had been made redundant. Now, I have a background in sales and digital marketing and e-commerce. So I kind of felt like something would be um, easy enough work-wise to get into. But I was asked to work on a loyalty program in a telecommunications company, the biggest in Ireland at the time. And what really struck me was they were taking the opportunity of the global crisis and consumers freaking out to actually start being loyal to their customers. 
So it was kind of like they totally flipped the script where everybody else was pulling back on budget, whether it was, you know, the marketing budget or anything else that was being invested in. Uh, And Telefonic is the company name. I definitely want to acknowledge them. But they had started a loyalty program and operationally it was struggling. So I was asked to come in and deliver the proposition, which is obviously critical if you're going to build a loyalty program, is that you really do, uh, you know, delight people. So, yeah, so that's how I got into it. And, and and the reason I've stuck with it, which is probably to the point about having a short attention span, there's a real sense of integrity around loyalty professionals, because what I really feel is, you know, everybody I meet is genuinely trying to delight the customer and keep them engaged, keep them retained. And yes, it's for commercial benefit, but actually it seems to come from a a bigger place of actually wanting to take care of people. So that's why I've stayed in it. Yes. And obviously had lots of variety along the way. Yeah, that's, I appreciate that background. So when it comes to loyalty, I think it can mean a lot of things to a lot of people. Yeah. So when it comes to the, the Oprah of loyalty, what does loyalty mean to you? Yeah, it's funny. It has actually evolved over time. Um, I mean, the reason I called my podcast Let's Talk Loyalty rather than Let's Talk Loyalty Programs was really to make the distinction about the emotion. So at the end of the day, you can have all the points and coupons and games or whatever you want in terms of a structured loyalty program. But unless there is that integrity that I already alluded to and an intention to delight your customers, there's kind of no point. So I suppose to answer what does loyalty mean to me, it means that I feel that the company actually cares. And I do believe that consumers are intelligent. I do believe that they feel the intention behind the business. And sometimes it's very clear that there's a functional intention. Like, for example, in Ireland, you know, Ryanair is a, is a very efficient airline and there's lots of people very loyal to that core product. Now, it's probably quite a transactional relationship, but it is a type of behavior. But when I talk about loyalty, it's it's the love of a product, for example. So Apple is the one that we all talk about where their intention is absolutely to delight their customers. And as a result, in fact, they're so differentiated, they actually don't even need a loyalty program because the product is so good. So I know it's a long answer. Um, If you want the short answer, I would probably use a word which is not often used in business, but I would use the word love. So, you know, if you think about loving your customer and wanting to do right by people, then you have to love taking care of them. So, yeah, I think that's the the other way I like to think about it. Yeah, that's great. When it comes to companies, not all companies have a loyalty program. And like you talked about Apple and how they don't necessarily need one because they love on their customers and they have the, the obsession of uh, yeah. just creating that amazing product to serve serve their customers but when does when it comes to that company when when does that the appetite of creating that loyalty program excite mm. them or uh interest them is there is it when things are going really good is it when things are going you know decent meh uh, or things are are going really bad where's that where's that pendulum of interest when it comes to a loyalty program So I would say, first of all, there are specific, um, I suppose, underlying factors which are important to understand. So so when we talk about the loyalty industry, we would talk about driving profitable behavior change. 
So that's an important and I think very succinct definition. It's my favorite way of, you know, articulating why you might invest in in a loyalty program. So I guess when I think about that, you know, it's most useful in an industry where there is otherwise quite little differentiation. And, you know, for example, two airlines flying to, you know, the same two destinations with a similar onboard product, then the loyalty program becomes a differentiator. So it isn't every single business that needs a loyalty program. Um, But when it comes into play, I suppose you're asking more around the, the timing perspective. So certainly from an economic climate perspective, it does actually tend to be counter cyclical. We would literally say, so for example, we've just come through and hopefully we're we're finished with this global pandemic. But what we have seen as loyalty professionals is an unbelievable demand for our services. So to the same point, I suppose, of when I got into loyalty, you know, back at the last big global um, recession, now has been a time where brands are going, oh my God, you know, clients are leaving in droves because literally maybe they don't have the money to spend, the opportunity's not there. So there's lots of reasons why um, all of a sudden churn is becoming a much bigger issue. And it really focuses the mind. So what we tend to see is that as soon as brands kind of, I suppose, got through maybe the first six weeks of total, you know, meltdown that we all went through, As soon as the dust even started to settle, then the loyalty initiatives, investments and interest just went crazy. So a super busy time for us and definitely one where, again, executives realize if there's only so many, if the market has shrunk, we really need to keep keep the customers we have. Yeah, it's it's fascinating that as the the market shrinks, the goal is to say, man, now there is some urgency. Uh, If you are able to to plan and be more strategic on that loyalty program before things get tight. Uh, you might be leaps and bounds ahead, I suppose. And plenty where, Nick, you know, so again, when we would talk to people on the show with well-established, mature loyalty programs, and I'm thinking, for example, I interviewed Shell, and they were super clear. They were like, our loyal customers were always our loyal customers, and they came back quicker, and they always spent more, and they still behaved, and, and, and they know, for example, that they get the share of wallet. So, you know, all of the money that somebody is spending in your category, if it's being spent with you, then absolutely, you're, you're, you're really winning in that situation. So when somebody has a loyalty program, maybe not always the case, but do they focus on that customer lifetime value? Or are they focusing on that next sale? And they're ideally doing both, to be honest, because I guess in order to get the lifetime value, you've got to focus on the next sale. So, yeah. So, so I think it's an important distinction from the perspective of, you know, expecting short-term returns from a long-term program is something that, you know, a lot of brands do get wrong. You know, they expect to be able to turn the tap um, and, and, and expect it'll behave like an email campaign from an e-commerce company, for example. But, you know, we've already talked about the emotion of loyalty and that's not something you can switch on and off overnight. So I think there has to be a sense of what's realistically possible from a loyalty program and and build that lifetime value. Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, so there, from from what I've been able to uh, do some research on, and and I'd rather just ask the expert instead of continue to do the research. But you know, what are the 
types, there's got to be different types of loyalty. What does, what are the types of loyalty or what are the stages of loyalty? So I think in simple terms, the types of loyalty would be transactional loyalty versus emotional loyalty. So that is something that the industry is constantly talking about. And I guess it probably, you know, I suppose the the focus shifted, I would say, probably maybe 2018, 2019. So still fairly new thinking. But I guess as loyalty is going on its journey and maturing, this idea of, you know, buy 10, get one free or that very transactional type of program is becoming very jaded. So increasingly what brands are saying is actually, well, how can I get the feeling? How can loyalty be the outcome rather than just, a, you know, whether it's a coupon campaign or, or any structure of loyalty? So emotional loyalty is, is definitely something that um, I'm, I'm enjoying having conversations about because it's the one that so many brands are going, great, okay, we know we got to drive emotional loyalty, but how? <laughs> So that's that's a really big question. So yeah, I, I'm enjoying thinking about that and and exploring it with, with the various guests that we have on the show. Yeah, I want to touch more on the emotional loyalty, but you said talking about coupons, you said buy 10, get one free. What's mm. what's your thoughts of of like discounts or coupons? Is mm. it is it beneficial to the customer or the long-term customer and or the company, or is it just a bribe? that they're saying, come into the door and please buy more? I mean, I think bribe is is probably too strong a word, um, you know, for in my perspective. I think, again, we're all kind of intelligent human beings. We know that businesses go through cycles. We know they might want to incentivize a different behavior in a certain way. And some brands, that that's okay. But sometimes I think, you know, it really becomes habitual. And one, for example, and it's a very well-known case study in, in the UK market. Um, and I think they might have changed the strategy. I was just looking on their website in preparation for this conversation. And it was Pizza Express. And it, it got to the stage. And I think what they started doing, Nick, was in the era when Groupon became, you know, an extremely powerful marketing engine, um, the likes of Pizza Express really got on board and saw it as an acquisition tool. But I think what they ended up doing was they trained their customers to only come and eat pizza Monday to Thursday. And they almost ended up being seen as the, you know, the cheap and nasty place to go maybe on a girl's night out rather than the the really nice experience that you might have previously gone to at the weekend and had the wine and the dessert and maybe spent more. So I think it's a dangerous path and um, yeah, shouldn't be overly relied upon, but it is very much brand specific. Yeah, it's so fascinating to me. I, you always, I, I get them in the mail, you get them on the back of a, of, yeah. a, of a grocery receipt from other local places. If it is a pizza place or a place to get your hair cut, it's on the back of the receipt saying, hey, come over and hang out with us too. We're in the area. So going back to the the emotional emotional loyalty, because you kind of said that there's that transactional loyalty to the emotional loyalty, and that's that transition. There's yeah. the the best, the 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 top tier where you want to get is that the top right is the emotional loyalty. Why does that matter so much? In a competitive market, does your customer service stand out from the crowd? One way to offer a better experience is by moving your contact center to the cloud. But with so many options to choose from, how do you know which solution is the best for both your business and your customers? 
That's where VDS comes in and guides you to the best solution. They understand your client's pain points, business outcomes, and goals. Then VDS designs, implements, supports, and provides 24-7 managed services. From start to finish, VDS is committed to finding the best solutions for your client's needs. To learn more, go to www.govds.com or find a link in the show notes. Well, it matters because actually, as human beings, we are emotional creatures. Like as much as we like to think of ourselves as super logical and making, you know, balanced decisions, we just don't. <laughs> so at the end of the day, you know, I love um, connecting with brands and I love being noticed and recognized and rewarded. And I do change my behavior. And I will admit to sometimes paying over the odds or, or behaving in different ways, but actually the experience is worth it. So if we think about the purpose of business, obviously, is to, you know, <laughs> love our customers and optimize shareholder value because they can sometimes not be the same thing. Actually, you know, loving your customers has proven to be a very profitable strategy. So, you know, that's something I just kind of believe in. Um, so emotional loyalty is real. It is increasingly being measured. And the piece, I suppose, apart from our own behavior, is the power of advocacy. So I think we all know Net Promoter Score. It's been around for a very long time, um, an industry standard that, um, you know, every loyalty professional would be very familiar with and, and something that people do focus on. And I had Fred Reicheld actually on our podcast, who is the founder of Net Promoter Score. I think you interviewed him as well, if I I'm did. not mistaken. Yeah, yeah mm -hmm. amazing. So, so I'm sure you guys had a similar conversation based on his new book. And, and really, you know, he talks about this, you know, importance of understanding where the new customers are coming from when they come in the door. And, you know, he even quoted actually uh, Tony Shea, who was the, the, the CEO of Zappos. I don't know if he mentioned that in your co conversation, but Tony Shea apparently used to say that if you do have to go out and invest in acquiring new customers, that's actually almost like a tax or a penalty for not getting the advocacy and not getting the automatic customers from the existing ones that you've already kind of brought into the business. So like, it's a really big difference. So like, why does emotional loyalty matter? It's because marketing is too expensive <laughs> to actually go and find all the customers you need to be viable. So only when you actually go and have customers doing your marketing for you, can you actually start to build and build and gain that momentum. And I think that's true of pretty much every business I've ever looked at. Yeah, you bet. In, in every time that I think of my favorite brands and why I do business with them, there is a an emotional loyalty to it. And if it's yeah. um, Zappos or if it is uh, Amazon or if it is you know, Costco's of the world, there is a reason why I do business with them. And I will, it's either finding ways that they can add value to me, or it's the the quality, or if it's the 365 day return policy, there mm -hmm. is, you're reducing risk and you're creating a better experience. And so I will always, anytime I come to a uh, an organization that can help me mm -hmm. uh, solve one of my problems in the least amount of effort, I'm mm -hmm. going to tell other people about that, regardless yeah. if it's going to help or benefit me or not. Totally. 
Because you're being of service then to your family and friends. Like, like we all want to take care of the people we love. So if we find a brilliant solution, like actually the, the loving thing to do is make sure you tell them. So it's in the service of our own personal um, loving and caring, you know, independent of the company. They're just giving us an opportunity to, to be of service. So yeah, it's, it's a win-win. Yeah. So when it comes to companies, what advice do you have for them to build that emotional loyalty? I think um, first and foremost, it is to understand exactly what they expect from you. I think there is an awful lot of complexity in the world, um, especially in the world of loyalty. Um, and it's very hard to um, to meet every expectation of every customer group. So I would say, first and foremost, identify the customers that you want to absolutely take care of. Uh, understand what is most meaningful to them and continue to invest in that. So it, it is, it's almost counterintuitive, but the research that I have seen and heard consistently coming through is it's usually the top customers where you think actually they're already spending so much that there's no opportunity. Actually, that's usually where the biggest opportunity lies. So there is nearly always more that you can cross-sell or upsell to your best customers, and they will be the ones that will respond most quickly to whatever you develop based on their feedback. So, so I think it's a listening game, a learning game, a game of respect, and yeah, just kind of making sure that you do what they need. So, you know, in marketing terms, it's the product market fit, but in human terms, it's like actually paying attention to what, what you're being told. Yeah, I think that's fascinating because you're talking about listening, respecting, and paying attention. It's the more information that you can gather from your customers, that the better that you can serve them. And the better you can serve them, maybe it comes down to communication uh, back to the customer. So where does, when it comes to storytelling, is there, does that have a place in the customer loyalty? Well, actually, that's probably my favorite question you've asked, Nick. Um, <laughs> and I'll tell you why. I, I, I fundamentally believe that one of the reasons that loyalty can be seen as something that can become, you know, um, you know, disinteresting, let's say, or, or, you know, there's a level of complacency, for example, around points programs is because people either don't understand the program um, or they're just not aware of the benefits. So, there's a huge amount of work that I believe storytelling can offer. And I think there's been an over-reliance on the tools of, you know, let's send out the email newsletter, increasingly personalized. I will acknowledge that all loyalty professionals are doing their best to your point of capturing data and using it to make the emails most relevant. But my biggest insight, and I'd love your perspective on this, is that a podcast is an amazing way to create loyalty because as a brand, there are stories about you happening on social media. They're happening everywhere. And a lot of the times the brand is either part of the conversation within a social media short form context, but they're not getting the opportunity to really share the full story. So increasingly what I believe is that branded podcasts offer a solution to creating a, a feeling of loyalty. And for example, I spoke to a lady yesterday and I've had their loyalty manager on Let's Talk Loyalty, talking about the, the actual structure of their loyalty program. It's a beauty brand down in Australia. 
But actually, I yesterday met with their uh, content manager. And content is increasingly being seen as a pillar to drive loyalty. And I think we a lot of us know that, for example, with the, the likes of white papers and blogs and articles and social media, of course, is also content. But this was a, you know, a beauty brand using a podcast to educate people about skincare. And it's incredibly successful. So to me, storytelling is where it's at. I know a lot of people have been saying it probably a lot longer than I have, but I think the power of the human voice is something that hasn't been leveraged. Even we haven't scratched the surface in terms of what a podcast can do for a brand that wants to tell its story. So I like your answer. And maybe to add on to that too, is I believe that every organization are responsible for creating content or content will be created for them. And for sure. Yeah. yeah and when it comes to podcast, it it is the, you have the ability to adapt and break it down and you can have the long form and the voice. You could do video. You could yeah. break it down into short videos on YouTube shorts, on TikTok, on Instagram and yeah. inform your audience. Uh, I had a guy on, his name is Marcus Sheridan. He wrote the book called They Ask You Answer. And the reason why I think that one's so important is you're listening to what your customers are saying. You understand what emotions are driving them. What mm. what are the biggest concerns uh, of, uh, he used to own a pool company. He's like, what are the biggest concerns that they have about digging a pool uh, yeah. uh, uh, in the ground? What size do they want? Do they want a square one? Do they want an oval one? Do they want something else? And so addressing all of these and then bringing the customer back in to tell yeah. the story of maybe why they do business with them and what does that look like and bringing yeah. the employee and bringing them all part of that story because they're all part of the journey. And so mm -hmm. the more involvement you can get of bringing the customer in, the more excitement that the employee will have and saying, this is yeah. my why. This is why I'm here. This is who I'm here to serve. And maybe yeah. you're informing these potential clients too of saying, as a sales rep, hey, instead of me saying how awesome we are and why we do business and the product is yeah. amazing and we're in the magic quadrant leaders, you can just say, hey, take a peek at the podcast. Here's episode 46 and 110 and 182 that I think might be beneficial to you based off the last conversations we had. That is yeah. a different feeling yeah. than just saying, man, uh, we are awesome and you should do business with us. For sure. And, and I would absolutely, again, build on that to say, yes, there's a role for social media and yes, there's a role for video. What I'm loving about podcasting is, first of all, the intentionality, but the attention. So I almost feel like if I'm watching a video, I'm often multi-screen, like I'm, I'm checking my WhatsApps and I'm, you know, I'm often doing other things. But when I listen to a podcast, I'm probably out for a walk. For me, that's my kind of consumption time. So it gets my full attention. Like there's no visuals, there's no distraction. So I, I know it's it's probably underappreciated, but I'm talking to a fellow podcaster. So <laughs> I'm guessing I don't need to convince you. But yeah, the, the storytelling piece for sure is super important. There's there's no convincing uh, me on my side. I, I'm, I'm fully bought in and I think the yeah. voice is powerful and um, you're building trust along the way. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, that's why one, you know, I love bringing on people like yourself because you are an expert in loyalty and you have the ability to, uh, inform and educate others that 
that I haven't had the ability to, or the willingness to, to jump in and spend, you know, 10 years, eight years on, on loyalty. I'd rather just bring on an expert and say, Hey, learn from them around this specific topic. There's, there's certain times where somebody will ask me about uh, a specific thing and I'll either interview somebody and yeah. share it, or I'll say, go back and listen to this episode. Not because yeah. I'm trying to promote myself. It's because I'm trying to educate others. For sure. Yeah. Yes. And you're right. I mean, for me, you know, a podcast, my podcast is, you know, my, my, my mission and vision is education and inspiration. And that's for myself first and foremost before anybody else. <laughs> so in, in many ways, I started it from, you know, quite a selfish place to say, I feel hungry for this knowledge. I want access to people who are doing incredible work. So how can I um, understand what they're doing and provide a service to them so they get to share their message as well? So, yeah, it, it definitely inspires me, like you, to kind of have people on the show and go, oh, my goodness, tell me all about your loyalty program. And uh, yeah, it, it, it just works for everybody. That's great. Yeah. Well, uh, this has been the, the world's fastest episode. Um, the one question I ask every single guest at the very end is if you could leave a note to all customer service or customer experience professionals, or even even the loyalty professionals, even put that them in a bucket, is mm. um, it's going to hit everybody's desk Monday at 8 a.m. What would it say? Mm. Can I give two answers? You bet. Just, okay. So if you have a loyalty program, okay, if that, if that does exist, you need to use it and you need to believe in it because if it's sitting there and every time I go to a point of sale, you know, somebody says, you remember the loyalty program? I say no. And they move on. Like that breaks my heart. Like there's mm -hmm. no point. Um, if there is no loyalty program, I would say be of service. If you have that intention and you have your why, as you said, and you do the, the, the point about being a loving human being in business, taking care of them, they will feel that. That's great. Thanks so much for that. So let's say that one of my listeners or all of my listeners are saying, how in the world do I connect with Paula Thomas? Uh, mm -hmm. What's the best answer for that? The best answer is find Paula Thomas on LinkedIn because I'm always on LinkedIn. It's my favorite place to be. So yeah, super easy. Paula Thomas, let's talk loyalty. So go out and subscribe to Paula Thomas's uh, podcast, Let's Talk Loyalty, and enjoy the conversations that she's having with the thought leaders in the loyalty space. Paula, thanks so much for your time. Thank you, Nick. Hey, listeners, can you think of one person who would benefit from the information you learned today? If so, please consider sharing this episode with them. And last, if you would like to receive all the quotes and book recommendations from all my guests, you can go to press1fornick.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode of Press One for Nick. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and share. Until next time, focus on your customers. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.